Hi, I'm Julie Ford of Glance Marketing in Toronto. We work with benefits advisors to create social media campaigns, compelling content, and websites. This is Benefits Genius Podcast number 50. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Howard Kettner, and what you're going to experience in this podcast more closely resembles listening in on a conversation between Dave Patriarch and me than a typical podcast. On those seemingly all too rare occasions when Dave Patriarch and I do get to have an opportunity for an in-person catch-up visit, we tend to bounce quickly from topic to topic as we talk about both the advisor journey and the quest to create an ideal client experience. So we're going to be all over the place over the course of the next 40 minutes or so. As you listen to this, you're going to have an opportunity to jot down some takeaways, some tips or some tools you can use. But hey, be kind to yourself. Pick just one or two ideas and commit to incorporating those into your audience interactions or your business consistently. If you do that, you're going to increase your confidence about your ability to move from having personality-based relationships to having a process-driven success formula that's going to differentiate you from all the rest. Stay tuned. Well, Dave, here we are. It's almost sailing season again. You've got an event happening soon. You've been reviewing a book. You're committed to 13 weeks of vacation. You're also growing your business. What do you want to talk about first? Well, I think you got to get down to the most important priorities. And in our industry, or really any industry, the most important one is sailing. I mean, really, if you can't get sailing done first, then there's really kind of no point and doing anything else. So just got back from sailing in the British Virgin Islands for a week, which was amazing. They've had lots of hurricane damage, and I'm getting my boat ready, hitting the marina tomorrow with the mechanic. With the mechanic? Yeah. We had one last sail. You know how there's like one last ski run you hear about where everybody gets killed on the last ski run? Totally, Because you can't have one after you got wiped out. (laughs) Well, we had the one last sail where we broke a halyard, which is the rope or the line that holds up the uh, sail. We had to replace the sail. The engine died on the way in. We basically towed ourselves back in with our dinghy, showing that, you know, constant investment is uh, required. And the other name for a boat is just a hole in the water that you throw money into, I think, or something like that. (laughs) So, yeah. so uh, Boats and RVs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the clients are asking when the boat's going in and when they can get out sailing. So that's a good sign. And so, so the calendar is going to be posted again the calendar on will your around May first. And is it on Mainstay or CGIB's Ma- site? Mainstayinsurance.ca. If you go to the contact page or the bottom of the speaker bio page, there's um, a link to the page, and it's 
all the details about going sailing. So if you want to, if you're listening to this and you're in Toronto and you want to come sailing, when that calendar pops up on May 1st, you can go in and just pick your day and come on out sailing with us. Half days on Wednesdays, full days on Fridays. And uh, that's what keeps me kind of mentally centered during the summer. So. Well, last year I talked about it, but this year I'm going to do it. So I'm going to jump in uh, for a sailing trip and this is going to be a ton of fun. Fantastic. Fantastic. So you've got an event happening in May. I got my email notification. I kind of went down through the topics. Uh, why yeah. those topics and yeah. and why should we be there? So we did a, a February one on what happens when drug claims go wrong. And it wasn't, maybe that's a bit of a misnomer, but talking about patient choice cards, generic uh, cards, patient support programs, patient assistance programs uh, that pharmaceutical companies provide and things like that. And the whole idea was when the plan doesn't pay for the claim the way you thought it would, here's some value adds that you can give to your client. And then we're doing this one on May 2nd on LTD claims and what happens when LTD claims don't go quite the way you want. So we've got um, Liz Scott from Organizational Solutions uh, helping to kind of head some of that off with good communication between clients and their employees. And we actually have David Scher, who is a disability claims lawyer who quite often sues employers and brokers and insurers when disability claims aren't paid. And he's going to be sharing some of his stories about why that happens. So I think that's going to be pretty unique. I don't think too often would you see a, a lawyer speaking about where everybody goes wrong and, and how they work on behalf of the employee to make sure a disability claim is paid. That should be terrific because, uh, as we know, those issues are becoming increasingly complex. They're more complex, and I think they're coming up more often. People are more litigious. I've even seen amongst my clients um, employees within a day or two of getting into client rather than going to appeal. They're just calling in a lawyer, employment lawyer, for advice like right away. Like if the, the the suits are being filed instantly. It's not. Uh, kind of get through the process and give us a call and let's ask for help. They're just going straight to the lawyers, which is not always beneficial for them. Quite often it means the claim is delayed months, like sometimes a year before they're going to see payment. And if they're doing it on a contingency fee basis, they may see 30% of their LTD benefit disappear to a lawyer. And uh, I don't think most people kind of realize that when they, when they sign on. I think there definitely is a place for the lawyers because there are claims that are declined that shouldn't be and sometimes legal action is required. But I think we're seeing it happen maybe a little bit too quick and maybe a little too often. So mm. that's interesting. And we also have the CLHIA coming up to speak a little bit about the commission disclosure G19 on that In day as person, well. live and... Yeah. And, and the, the idea was when we booked it all was we were going to have a July 1 implementation Date. This was going to be shoved down our throat, I mean delivered um, July 1, and uh, now it's been delayed, so the timing isn't quite as uh, as appropriate. But by then, some more of the groups will have uh, spoken with CLHIA. So the National Coalition of Benefits Advisors, recently formed advocacy group, is meeting with CLHIA this week, maybe, or last week. So CLHIA is going to have a bit more feedback. So maybe come the May 2nd seminar, we'll maybe have some more news, hopefully, of how things are going to change or the process is going to maybe slow down or open up, up a bit. We'll see. We'll see. Well, two riveting issues. And They're I, not I even the you. topics for today. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but yeah. I, I love it. 
I love how you put the events and the thought leaders, uh, subject matter authorities together for the events. And I can tell you, if I was resident in Ontario, there wouldn't be anything that would keep me from, from attending. It's worth its weight in gold. You know, I think of how an advisor uses the content or can use the content from one of your events for those on social media, just to take a picture in front of your signboard and say, I'm at this event and this is what I'm going to learn today. Watch for my next newsletter. I'm going to be shooting something out and regardless I'm coming in from BC for it and I know there will be others that will be coming in from out of the province when it comes to providing recent and relevant perspectives on emerging issues whether for my team on commission disclosure my team my banker or other stakeholders in my business and to clients and prospects to have perspectives that are unique. And so once again, I suspect you'll have well over 150 advisors in the room. Will, will employers so. be coming as well so, to this event? I don't know if this one will, in Probably my mind, not because, because of the commission the, disclosure right. thing. I think that will kind of waylay some. I definitely have three or four of mine that are coming because they're interested in the disability issue and stuff, and they're the HR people, and we've had disclosure conversations before so there's nothing really too new for them there so there definitely will be some i just i don't think maybe as many as some of the other events but yeah it's interesting and to me the information that you can get from my events or anybody's events your events that you can share with your clients is just incredibly valuable whether it's social media whether it's old tech you know newsletter things like that um it's a great source of content and um a, you know a great place to get a bunch all at once that you can then split up into pieces over the next days or weeks or months or, or whatever. Now, you're reviewing a book, a book about group insurance, and it's written by Lori Power of yep. MP Benefits out of uh, Edmonton and area. She asked both you and I to review the book. I know I felt incredibly honored. I was on the road all last week. I'm sure it was in my mailbox by Monday of last week, but I didn't see it till Friday. So I, I, I got have a Friday not too. cracked the cover yet. Yeah. So I, I, I got it Friday, took a look at it on the weekend, and then um, sat down and kind of read it over the past hour. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. At it's 897 a, words yeah, a minute, it's gusting to a thousand. Yeah. It's um, uh, Employee Group Benefit Insight, an informal reference guide, uh, a collection of blog postings from a benefit specialist, Lori Power. So and, what jumped out yeah. at you? Yeah, so it's it's cool. It's um it's short tidbits that are easy reading. So right away, I, I, I always worry that... So it's kind of page, page it's, and a half page per and a half topic. Per topic. Oh, yeah, I love or, that. Or per kind of post. Love it. And uh, it's easy reading. Uh, it gets pretty deep on some things. Other things, it's, it's light. It throws in some real neat tidbits that aren't all benefits-based, but of good use to the uh, the employers and stuff that would be reading this. So I'm almost done. I'm, I'm about three-quarters of the way through the book. It kind of hits on all the basics um, that I can think of. And a lot of them, it reiterates in different ways and different stories. Uh, so the the same message on life insurance beneficiaries will get hit two or three times in different spots. So it's kind of you know the, the old thing of that, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Totally. Yeah. Make sure that people get it. So it's neat. And I, I gotta say, I I don't know. I used to have in my office HR for Dummies book that had a chapter that was like benefits for dummies. And I used to kind of it was an American book, but I used to just use it kind of as a joke. But uh, somebody actually stole it because they liked. Some of the content, never gave it back. But um, I haven't seen a benefits booklet 
short of a textbook. It's not a booklet, sorry, it's a book. It's a 300 page soft cover book. But I haven't seen anything like that before. I, I don't, I haven't really looked other than the, I picked up the ICEBS or whatever it is, right. um, association like textbooks and stuff like that. So I think this is kind of a, a, a very cool tool. Yeah, so good for Laurie for doing it. Who is the audience for the book as you see it? Is it primarily advisors or advisors and employers, wide audience, narrow audience? Yeah, I'd say it can be as wide as you want it to. I mean, I would say it's more written for employers, people that either have a plan or are thinking of putting a plan in place or evaluating their plans. But I mean, it's just as relevant for brokers. There's some great stuff. If I had uh, staff, I'd probably throw it on their desk and say, you know, read a few chapters, come to me, and let's have a deeper discussion about stuff or what you understand, what you don't understand, what ah, you agree great with or not. It's based, and, and Lori's very upfront about this at the beginning, with an Alberta theme, because um, being in Alberta. So there's uh, parts where it references Alberta legislation or the recent economic downturn in the past few years and stuff like that. So um, I thought that was cool because it, you know, I got a bit of a compare and contrast to Ontario and how we're a little bit different and, and similar in many things. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's neat. So, yeah, if you get a chance, I think it's on Amazon.ca. You can uh, download it by the soft cover. And what's the name of it again? Yeah, so it's called Employee Group Benefit Insight, an informal uh, reference guide, and then the subtopic is a collection of blog postings. But Employee Group Benefit Insight is probably what you look up. And again, Lori Power, L-O-R-I. Yeah, Power like powerful and uh and you know what you want to carry this around with you and if you see Lori at one of the um bb uh, uh business uh, career college bcc, BCC then uh, take it and get her to sign it for you write something in the front there's a nice you know page where she can inscribe something there for you absolutely so yeah good so communicating the intricacies of benefits plans in a practical fashion is i think something we're all challenged with and so as we think about relevant communication for our clients, like you've got a great newsletter, blog, communication piece that, that, that goes out. What have you kind of learned in your journey of communicating with clients? And the reason I'm asking this is I talk to a, a broad spectrum of advisors and the question always comes up, should I be doing video? Should I be doing email? Should I be doing direct mail? Should I put a lot of money into a, a four-color brochure? Should I be doing something else? Yeah. Including taking one of Canada's large insurance company produced pieces where they'll slap my logo on it. Yeah. And the right answer is yes, all of the above. But do something consistently. So I've written a newsletter for like pretty close to 20 years now. They're all on my website, the whole archive of them all. They're not fancy. It's uh, two pages front and back, eight and a half by 11, black and white. And the front is geared towards the employees and the back is geared towards the plan administrator. And the idea was in the old days, the employer could just photocopy the front page and give it out to employees if they wanted something on traveling or remembering to update beneficiaries or how coordination of benefits work, something like that. And the backside would be what mattered to the plan administrator, HR issues, taxation, legislation issues, and, and stuff that's more around plan administration or benefit issues, not employee centric. It was originally printed. And then several years back, it went electronic, so it's all by email, and it's four times a year, and it gets across the basic stuff based on the questions from clients and things like that, the things they need to know. It's not fancy. 
But the one thing I've noticed, and I, I think we've commented on this probably in the past, is how often I'll go on to another broker site and I'll look and there's a link for newsletters. And there it is. There is a January, a February, a June, a December from 1997 newsletter and then nothing else. And if you're not consistent in doing it, you just don't do it. Even if you just say I'm going to do one newsletter a year and ramp it up over time, just do that. But I think it looks terrible if you've got, you know, five years ago, you did a newsletter for a year and walked away. I think that's bad. So your question of what's the right thing to do, doesn't matter. Pick one, be consistent about it. But well, I think, and just a couple yeah. little hacks on that, because I think that consistency thing is absolutely, absolutely critical. And for me, at least, I can only be consistent with something when I put a process in place. So if I'm going to do this, then it's got to be a recurring event on January 15th, April 15th, whatever it is, and, July 15th and yep. October 15th, that this thing goes out. And that's it fine. has to be blocked in the calendar. Yep. And what works for me in terms of just a practical process, because I find that if it looks like a project, it starts to be a backpack on me that actually weighs far more than I needed to. And it goes from this list to the next list to the next list and never gets done. Right. Yeah. And so if I put down the topics, okay, so, and, and I like what you said about, uh, you know, there's going to be something in it for the plan administrator, yeah. something in it for this department and that department. And if I have that template, that that's where my content is going, the content actually writes itself 100%. over the course of any 30-day period. Yeah, it's so simple. The easiest thing, and what I did for years was, I had a folder for the newsletter, and during the three months up to the newsletter, like after the last one went out, when a client asked me a question, went on a post-it note, Bingo. went in. <laughs> when an employee called me with a problem, it went in, and I just go through those notes and go, oh, here's a question about coordination of benefits when you have an ex-spouse and the kids are out of the country, and okay, let's answer that one. And they're not as a Q&A, but we're just kind of answering coordination benefits questions all at once. And it, and like you said, it writes, it writes itself. So when you get down to that, you know, April 15th date, the week before you kind of open the folder and go, okay, start typing and, and away you go. And I say to people all the time, don't steal my newsletter, but feel free to go take a look at it and get, you know, take a look at what, what's in there. It's nothing fancy. It's just consistent. And the greatest thing is I go into clients and the newsletter is up on the lunchroom wall or, on, you know, the, the poster board that they have. And they say, you know, we, we post it, we share it. Not everyone, not all the time, but when it's relevant and stuff. So it's, it's nice. They don't get read as much as they should. And that's just kind of a fact of life. I've had pretty good open rates and stuff, but my whole thing is I hope the employers are sharing it with the employees more. Well, here's the thing that I think is really special about the way that you do your newsletter. And we've talked about this a bit before, where you take the actual questions that you get over the course of the three-month period or a two-month period, whatever, and you throw them into the file folder. That's real-world stuff that's front of mind, top of mind today. And somebody told me, like, Howard, your, your clients don't need more information. They've already got way, yeah. way, way too much information. And so this isn't a slam in any way. Like you said, do all of the above. And so if, if, if you're getting that uh, newsletter from the big three and they're putting your name on it, absolutely. I mean, what it's, can it hurt? It's better than nothing. It's better than yeah. nothing, for but, sure. But take that and add some comment to it and write up your own thing. Or even, uh, I see this from the odd broker, take a, a post-it note and put it on it and say, you know, article number three is all about your company, you know, and add that and, and mail it out to them or something. Totally. Just, just something that makes it more 
a little bit about them. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. we've gone through, you know, if we if we look at it this kind of for the historical perspective, we've gone from where just sending information out was a differentiator. Then we talked a lot for a few years about curated information, like let's narrow this down to the things I think are relevant for my clients. And then I think we've gone beyond that now to what does Dave think about this piece? Like your clients will want to know what you think about this piece. Yeah. And we're entering a new phase now where, and why does it matter to me? Yeah. Like what's in this for me? Okay, so that's what you think, Dave, yeah. but why do I care to yeah. put it bluntly? And so I'm sitting in a little Joe Polish marketing event south of the border and this discussion is going on. There was a fellow there that had sent out a direct mail piece to a pretty good size list. Like it was way up there in the thousands. Yeah. And it was a pretty attractive offer, some sort of a two for one for a tangible product that, that got sent out. And it had a modest response, kind of the expected, whatever that is, 3% or something like that. And so he went back to his copywriter to say, we've got to do something stronger. So the copywriter took a red pen, circled a couple of things and put Joe take a look at this yeah. and he said there now just pull the first name off your direct mail list yeah. throw these in and see what happens yeah. well the marketer knew what was going to happen they literally had quadruple the response yeah. because this is for you and this is why you should care yeah or if you're successful and you've got a relationship with somebody so i could send out a note that says Dave, you should read this from Howard. And I sent that out. Then people would go, wow, Dave got some insider information and is sharing it with me that came totally. from some guy named Howard. And he's just forwarding it across. It's so important. You can add all sorts of different levels. And using your one, two, three, my newsletter is curated content maybe. And my blog that I'm doing now, which is not fancy, very low tech, is a way to get quick information out with a little bit of dialogue around it. So here's some stuff you want to add. Here's something, here's legislation piece that you want to know a little bit more about. And here's why you should read it. Not fancy. Um, and that I've just started doing. So trying to get more of that specific to my clients, at least not one by one, but specific to my clients in a very timely manner, getting that stuff out to them. So, and every now and then I get the comment back, Hey, that's great. Keep it coming or whatever. So it pays off. Absolutely. And and it's just about making people, I think, feel really special, creating an extraordinary experience. Speaking of which, you recently cost me some money. I think it was the last time we got together. You, I'm always costing you money. <laughs> you graciously invited me over to your office. We had a great visit, but it was a great visit over coffee. And you said, so Howard, would you like a such and such coffee cappuccino and, a latte a flat white a long americano what do you want yeah. I, I know i i, I thought dave the barista yeah. here this hey, benefits don't work <laughs> starbucks is for me so yeah <laughs> and so it's instead of going up to your curing on the kitchen counter you had this machine sitting there yeah this, and this is all my wife's work so <laughs> we, we've burned through a whole bunch of keurig machines Every time we go on vacation, we come back. It doesn't work anymore. We descale them. We do everything right, and still they die. And so, and it's we, amazing how that oh, happens. I had these two nifty little Nespresso machines. Yeah, 
And both of them died exactly the same way. Leave them for three weeks. And, yeah, we, and, just, we go way too much. I guess that's a problem. <laughs> but uh, we should just have our house sitters come over and make coffee or something. And that never seems to happen. The balls of wine are gone when the house sitters come in, but not the not the coffee. <laughs> anyway, so we bought this DeLonghi coffee maker, this fully automated espresso machine that frosts milk and does everything. And it makes a really good cup of coffee. So, yeah. So you had one and took a picture and went, that's cool. And then you had to go home and buy one. Well, yes, I, I, I took the picture to Coral and said, you know, do you think it would be a good idea? And, and literally, the next thing that happened, it went from, do you think this would be a good idea? There's this parcel has come in. So I slugged it home and, and Coral says, what's that? And I said, I have no idea. And she said, did you order something? No. And thanks to the magic of Amazon, it literally was 48 hours. I mean, I'm sure it was already in a bag. Well, that's because you're in the West Coast. Ready. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so our audience is now wondering is what in the world does this have to do with with group insurance relationships well, it's prospecting like we live on coffee <laughs> totally and sailing coffee and, and sailing, sailing. Coffee yeah. and sailing. but you know looping back to your your second topic on may 2nd commission disclosure there's a lot of folks thinking is this a race to the bottom and the bottom line is if it's a mediocre experience like nobody watches the price of curried capsules, I think closer than me. I'll go in and I'll look at it and go, what? That's a ridiculous price. It's like, that's just about a dollar a capsule. I'm going to look for something man. else. Costco's totally, the best. Yeah. totally. And Absolutely, so yeah. it goes on the Costco list. And to move from that to a, I don't know, 20, 25, dare I say 30% better experience, whatever it is, it's yeah. a better experience. At five times the cost. Easily. More. Or more, yeah. Totally. Yeah. But my my coffee in the morning makes me feel really special. And I think as long as we're making our audience feel really special, price is always going to be important, but we can avoid the race to the bottom. Yeah. I. You know, it's funny. It, sometimes it's about making the client feel special. Sometimes it's about making them realize we're special, too. So sometimes it's like, okay, you know what? The broker I've picked is the right person because of whatever, like whatever the value add they have. And sometimes you're making them feel special, which means, you know, you're reiterating that them choosing to deal with you was good and you choosing to deal with them was good and everything. And I, I think overall, you know, commission disclosure coming up, we have to do a better job of adding value, instilling value, explaining value, showing how we appreciate them. I'm not saying we send coffee makers to all of them or anything like that, but helping them understand what we do. And it may be as simple as, I've got some places I go to that when you walk in where we hold our events at Bellagio, they meet you in the morning and say, can I get you a coffee while you're setting up? And they're making you a nice hot you know, espresso, Americano, whatever, uh, to, totally. get you, to get you going. And it, and that is how I start my morning sometimes with them. And that's a pretty cool value add to the whole thing. When you were throwing this topic out, I was kind of not sure how to deal with that. And I still, I'm not 100% sure. But I think sometimes, like I have clients will say to me, we like who you are and that we're dealing with you. And that's kind of a neat thing. I, I feel really good when I hear that. And part of it's because I keep them out of trouble. Part of it is we're always giving advice and pointing them in the right direction and educating and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of it's just we have conversations about travel and we have conversations about sailing you know, and everything else. It's just relationships, I guess, is what it is. Just 
building relationships. And and I, I think sometimes we forget about all that. We sit behind social media and we sit behind emails and we sit behind newsletters that get, you know, fax broadcast fax broadcast. Boy, I'm dating myself. <laughs> Email broadcasts out there and stuff like that. And I think um the investment that we put into ourselves and our clients and our business, it pays off and you, and you see it. Actually, it's funny, just uh, before coming out here, I was talking to our friend Chris Gorey. Chris is doing some amazing stuff as far as adding value to clients and prospective clients. He's, I, I think you know, he's kind of launching this whole thing where virgin groups from two up to 50 lives can get quotes online from half a dozen companies from his website and do online application enrollments and everything, like totally changing the game. And that with his clientele of tech people, you look and go, hey, I'm dealing with Chris as a broker. That's cool. Chris is out there changing his you know, way of doing business, but not just for him. It's for everybody else in the you know, marketplace. They got to compete with that type of stuff. That's a, that's a neat change. You know, that's, that's as good as me getting a new sailboat. You know? Well, it is, and, and it's a key differentiator. I mean, Chris has, has developed this piece of technology that is going to help him scale his business. And, uh, you know, I think that success in business is certainly creating those great client experiences. But when we look at the sustainability of our businesses and how we continue to create those experiences, I was kind of just mentally organizing myself before the podcast. And I thought, well, here again, Dave is going into a year where you've got uh, a client base you're committed to taking 13 weeks of vacation this yep. year. You commit uh, a quarter of, of your year to CGIB and or yep. other events in the industry, Sanofi Aventus panel that you sit on, etc. cetera. Uh, you, you'll be out on the West Coast uh, doing some events with others. How do you pull this off? And so one of the questions that I had on my mind is, I got to be sure and ask Dave what processes and, and tech tools he uses to keep all of this running. I just have a calendar. And as long as it's full, <laughs> I'm okay. And I just, just as I was waiting uh, for you, because your flight was a little bit delayed, I just got booked to speak to a group in the prairies in the end of April, beginning of May 2019. So I'm booked out a year in and advance. So between now and then, I'm going sailing across the Atlantic Ocean from Africa to the Caribbean in January 2019. And I'm uh, hopefully going to get through that so I can actually fulfill my contract and speak <laughs> in, in May. My thing is I got to be busy to keep going. I always have to have a bunch of trips booked to give me something to work towards. I've always got to have things ahead of me to keep me kind of going. I'm pulled to events. I don't get pushed. Somebody pushes me, I push back. But if there's something ahead of me pulling, that seems to work. So I, I'm not very technological. Like I, I, I code my own websites. I, I built my own database and stuff. So I guess in some ways I'm a bit of a techie geek. I'm no Chris Gorey in the nicest way, Chris. I mean, most of my stuff is kind of old school. Uh, I kind of live on processes and make choices up front to avoid shopping cases by picking good clients, educating them, right pricing. So I don't have to do a lot of the administrative stuff. So when people kind of go, oh, you got whatever, just under $4 million of business and about 50 or 55 group clients, that's a huge amount of work. It's not. 
it's, it's just not like it's not nearly as bad as a company that would be shopping every case every year and going through a lot of administration stuff. And so my technology use is high, but it's nothing magic. I don't, I don't think there's anything overly special. You know, that's, that's a great uh, perspective, Dave, because it's, it's all in the processes and, you know, you just wove in there a little bit of gate about your sailing and this amazing trip you have coming up in January, 2019, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And what I see that as being about, it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that about your business. Your sailing trip is going to either be an amazing experience, quite despite the weather, yeah. is going to be an amazing experience based on the on the preparation that you do, in large part. And yeah. I mean, mental it's, preparation, physical yeah. preparation, your supplies, the quality of your gear, the quality of your checking out that vessel, all yeah. of that stuff. I mean, I don't embark on those kinds of journeys, but... You know, yeah. Coral and I, as we started our hiking adventure together, so we both oh, hiked you've done in some our amazing places. Years. Yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. ton of fun. But the difference between literally the trip from hell and and just as an overview, again, why are we talking about camping and sailing instead of group it's, insurance? It's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah. And I'm talking to a lot of advisors, and you had shared that you're talking to a lot of advisors right now that are saying, you know, I, I'm going to put my business for sale. Yeah. The industry's gone to the proverbial hell in a handbasket. This is getting too hard and a whole bunch of things. And so Coral and I are embarking on this, uh, on our very first hiking adventure together. We'd both hiked again in our teen years and it's kind of like, let's get back into it. So we go down to the, we have this wonderful hiking supply store in Vancouver called Mountain Equipment Co-op. They have yep. this great stuff. And a wise and thoughtful friend of mine said, I know you've gone down there. I know you've gone through it. I know you've checked your list twice, all of this stuff. But do go to this little hole-in-the-wall shop that's right here in our community. They yeah. don't have all of that other stuff. But the guy is really neat, and there might just be a couple of things that'll make your trip easier. And we were doing a reasonably in, intense hike. In, you were in, going up to the death zone on Mount Everest. <laughs> Come on. Like, I mean, that terrifies me. Sailing across the Atlantic Ocean is nothing. Like, to over 10,000 feet, my head goes screwy. So, I mean, I have all respect for you guys for doing that. Well, but but this guy, it was just so neat because yeah. he kind of goes through a list. And, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. You know, and he goes, you know, have, do you have one of these? And he pulls out this little ball. It was kind of like a large tennis ball in his hand. And I said, no, what is that? And he said, it's a tarp. And I said, a tarp? And he said, yeah, the thing weighs like half a pound. Well, no, I think I think we, we're kind of set here. you know. And he said, here's the deal. If you don't have one of these, let me tell you something. He said, so it's raining and you go to set up camp. By the time you get set up in a downpour, your tent is going to be soaked and your sleeping bags are going to be soaked and the transition from your pack to inside your tiny little tent and all that stuff. And he said, you can just rope this off. And I said, not a lot of trees. And he says, no, no, you turn your hiking poles upside down, has these grommets in each corner. Yeah. And with these ropes, you can tie off on top of your hiking poles. You go under there, you have shelter, you set everything up, you're completely dry. Now you're set up and the wind is coming. So he said, you take and use two hiking poles, you tarp off in front of your tent, you have a windbreak, you can start a fire behind it. If you're not using wood, if you're, you're, you're taking gas and stuff like that, well, it'll keep the flame from blowing out. Yeah. And, and it's like this little thing for eight ounces that makes, yeah. and 
but it's a little piece of technology, a little bit of a process and a practice around using it. And you know what? We used it somebody. in everything that he yeah. described and more yeah. on the trip. And there was a dozen times that we said, thank goodness we stopped at that hole in the wall. Yeah. And, and I mean, I always say the seven P's are how I live in sailing. Proper prior planning prevents piss poor for... Yeah. I can't even say it. Prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance. It's easy to say, sure. And it's the simplest things that make a difference. If you're hiking, what's the number one most important thing that you take with you on that trip that matters above everything else? Oh, you got to answer this one. Oh, only one I, I'm going to fail this no, one. No, no. When everything else is stripped away, what's the one thing that you are not going to make it up that hill with, no matter what it is, wherever the hill is? Well, certainly the boots. The boots. That's it. The boots, totally. the socks, the liners, oh, whatever. That's yeah. all the difference in the world. And recently I was in Rwanda and we were hiking up in the mountains to see the gorillas and stuff. And I had this old pair of hiking boots that are past their prime, need to be replaced. I left them in Rwanda. And then, now, and, for those of you that haven't met Dave, these are size 15 boots. These are big boots. They're hard to find. And, and I should have had the answer right yeah. on the tip of my tongue because you went to Africa yeah. along with Joanne and, and your kids. two sons yeah. and all of you traveled carry-on. Yeah. Yeah, why is that surprising? You know, well, there's well, only no, two weeks. So those size 15 yeah. boots, that they, filled they, up half the suitcase. Yeah, and the rest of the clothes are like <laughs> nylon, and you just layer up and rinse stuff out. And yeah, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it, but uh, no, that, that's critical because, yeah. But it's, it's it, a basic stuff that matters the most, and that's sometimes the stuff you forget about. And it's, yeah. it's the stuff where dealing with somebody who's got some experience, whether it's your supplier, whether it's an outfitter for me before we go sailing or whatever, those things make a huge difference. And bringing back to group insurance a little bit, my clients follow me on these trips. So I have a satellite uh, locator, a spot, they're called a spot beacon, and they follow me as I sail across the ocean. They think it's pretty cool. I don't know why. So, oh, I, mean, I know why, because I think it's pretty cool too, but they don't see it as their broker's gone for three weeks. They see it as their broker's doing something really interesting that they're going to share the story with, because they know at the end of it all, they're going to know somebody who sailed across the Atlantic. And that's kind of the part of their story. So it's a neat thing. And uh, so that prior proper plan... Ah, screw it. (laughs) The seven Ps. (laughs) But it's creating those experiences and sharing them with your clients. And so whether it's the experience of a good renewal based on right price and all the way through a continuum of newsletters, blogs, information that's relevant, and demonstrating that you're someone that has a story and is interested constantly in their story. And so you have this neat little community. I mean, going back to when we first met, one of the things that I was just fascinated with and remain fascinated with is you run a thriving business in literally half of your year and with clients that are content, very little, if any, turnover, it's a profitable business, and yet you get to continue doing what you're doing. And what yeah. a great community you have with your clients. And and I just think there's a lot of our audiences sitting there feeling very jealous at this moment. I'm, I'm very lucky, but I think I like the luckiest people I know are the hardest working people I know too. And you create those communities. I've said it with your group, with Benefits Genius members. We'll sit there an event, uh, I, I think recently out west, and uh, identifying the specialness of your people. And you've got somebody who's a 
national or international curling champion. You've got somebody who runs a, a snowboarding shop. You've got somebody else who, you know, does amazing charitable work. You've got somebody who's written a book. You've got all these people that have all these different stories and they're all unique in their own way. And yet most of the time it's kind of hidden. Like I find it almost amazing. They, they kind of leave their other life out and try and be this professional suit and tie kind of person. And I, I kind of go, you know what? The relationships people have with their brokers and us with our clients, they're way deeper than that. So you've created this amazing community as well with all these interesting and twisted people. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have a great event in May. Again, I just want to circle back to that and, and make sure our audience really knows about that and the importance of an event like that in creating a specialness with the prospect and client audience. Yeah. There's so many great takeaways. If you're not local and it, you can't make it out, but you're a CGIB member, all the handouts, all the PowerPoint presentations are up on the CGIB website. So our last one on the drugs and everything is they're all up there from the um, different speakers and stuff. So you can always just go through and grab information and, and stuff like that. And if you ever have questions, give me a call. I can't speak on behalf of all the speaker slides, but if somebody had um, something, I can put you in touch with them or things like that as well. So there's always great content you can get there, curate, share, blog, email, newsletter, whatever. As always, Dave, a ton to digest. Thanks again for sharing your perspectives Thanks and for stories. Thanks for having me back again. Hey. Great. Hey, it's Howard here again. How was that? I'll be the first to acknowledge that a podcast like this can open up more questions than it answers, and I'd like to respond to your questions, so shoot me a note at Howard at benefitsgenius.ca. Tell me what's top of mind for you. Share your question about creating content or eliciting audience engagement or evolving the client experience, and I'll do my best to respond in an upcoming podcast. Again, Howard at benefitsgenius.ca. Make it a terrific day.